Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. Another fantastic week of the college tennis season in the books. Crazy to think how close we are to the end of the regular season, the start of the postseason. If you follow various college tennis teams on Twitter, you would have seen hundreds of graphics this past weekend for senior days that happened across the country. I'm not going to lie. I got a little emotional. I feel particularly attached to this class of seniors feels like we've covered their entire college journeys here at Cracked Rackets and of course with those senior day emotions led to some fantastic tennis of course that's not the lead though of today's podcast we learned some big news regarding the rankings moving forward here in this college tennis season of course given the restrictions related to the season due to the fact that we're trying to play it amidst a pandemic the computer rankings were always going to be a bit skewed at the beginning, but given the concern raised by coaches across the country, given the limited time span between now and the start of the NCAA tournament, and of course the rankings so critical to determining host sites for NCAAs, a lot of rankings drama to discuss here on today's podcast. And joining me to do just that, as they always do here whenever we're talking college tennis at Cracked Rackets, are the two other members of our Cracked Rackets College Tennis Holy Trinity. Let's start where we always start. You know him as a former four-star recruit on TennisRecruiting.net, your favorite writer on our website, CrackedRackets.com, and perhaps the only person who was celebrating as much as I was given the fact that Hubi Hercots just captured his first Masters 1000 title at the ATP level. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Matt the Cracks the Koyak. Matty, hey, great shot as always. Was it the 2019 offseason that we did our Hubi Hercats-centric pod? It was, you know, a year and a half later, 15 months to, before the payoff, but we finally got it this weekend. How are you doing, my friend? Yeah, we did, man. Hubie, uh, congrats to Hubie. It was a big weekend for him. But, I mean, Gruskin, you know I'm also a fan of the Sin Man as well. Big, big Yannick Sinner fan. So uh, it was a little bit of mixed emotions. Happy for Hubie. We know Yannick Sinner is going to be back, um, you know, playing for Masters Thousands titles. So, um, yeah, man, good stuff there, of course, with the rankings that we're going to be talking about here. We got two sets of rankings. Um, obviously, we get to compare those, so that should be fun. I know you and Chris have been uh, doing some hardcore analyzing and uh, enjoying today so far. So, yeah, <laughs> good stuff, man. No, it's always a good excuse whenever there's a little drama to catch to text coaches across the country. I know it's sacrilegious for us to talk pros here on the College Tennis Podcast, but just to quickly follow up, because yeah, Hubie's the story, and I move him up now to Tier 3 in the Hatchinov chorich demon hour zone, where I'm like, that guy's going to be really good, a top 20 player for a really long time. On the Sin Man, 
for me, he's number three in the next-gen crew right now. It goes, you know, Zverev, Medvedev, whatever order you want to have them. But then I have Sinner number three having surpassed Tsitsipas. Those four guys plus Rublev and FAA, the six guys, I would be shocked if we come out of this era without all of them having at least one Grand Slam title. Good take, bad take, hot take. We'll, get, we'll sneak in that game here quickly, Matty. Mm, I think it's a bit of a hot take. I don't know if I would have Sinner number three in that category. You know, you mentioned some other guys like Stefano Tsitsipas and Andre Rublev. You know, they're going to have something to say about that. But look, Yannick Sinner, he's so legit. I mean, his game is so mature for his age. Um, he's he's right up there with those guys. I'll give he, you that much. He's a top tierer now. He's earned oh, yeah. the right oh, to yeah. be in the top. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So yeah, he's a top tierer. I just don't know if I'm ready to put him ahead of like Stefano Sitsipat. I think that might be a bit of a stretch, but I mean, he's right up there with those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, redheads inspire hot takes as always. But another man who is enjoying himself some pro tennis this week as his uh, Mississippi State former Bulldog Nuno Borges makes the challenger quarterfinal out in Portugal. You know him as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula, which, by the way, is of particular importance here on today's podcast. Predictions never far from the listed UTR, one of the many dames who roots for the Liberty Flames, lover of mothers, lover of almond joys, the professor, the snitch. He quotes Henry Ford. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Chris Hallioris. Chris, hey, great shot as always. I love that you're rocking the Bulldog background here on Zoom today. Was a stressful round of 16 match, but ultimately our Bulldog got the job done so as always never doubt Nuno oh NDN but man that was like I I I think I turned my insides out five times just (laughs) in the last game alone where I think he like blew five or six match points and fought off five or six break points but uh yeah great day for Nuno so that's always a Always a good way to start the morning. No, a hectic day for you, given that was the start, and then the rankings come out, and of course, we had a big announcement regarding the rankings moving forward. We'll get to that. We'll talk about a busy weekend of Big 12 play, SEC play, Stanford finally making a big push. UCF might actually be a top 10 team. We'll debate that topic here on today's podcast. We'll, of course, offer our updated Cracked Rackets top 10, do a little other Michigas here on today's show. Of course, the reason we're able to do that day in day out here on the great shot podcast because of the support we get from our friends at turner grip and also from our friends at FanDuel. now i'm gonna just go quickly through the turner grip read because you guys know the deal you know turner grip you know where to find it you want to join the family sales at uniquesports.com or 800-554-3707 but perhaps you did not know With our friends at FanDuel, we've got a limited time offer for all of you Cracked Rackets fans. Now, it's not directly tennis-related, but very often, those who are tennis fans are often golf fans. We're attracted to individual sports. We want to see the best thrive on the biggest stages, that pressure when it all comes down to one person. The good news, we've got a way for you to have some fun. Get in on this weekend's Masters uh, 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 event. I don't even know what tournaments are called when they're not tennis. I suppose the Masters is also... So an event, but for new users on FanDuel, if you go to FanDuel.com slash cracked, sign up right now, make an initial deposit of at least $10, you can claim 20 to 1 odds on either Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, or Jordan Spieth to simply make the cut 
in Augusta this weekend. 20 to 1 odds, Maddie. I see you shaking your head on either DJ, Rory, or Spieth to just make the cut. Now, it's a $5 bet, but that $5 bet max can win you up to $100. DJ currently minus 1100 to make the cut. Spieth minus 1000 Rory minus 700 Maddie, that sounds like a deal. All the defending champ and number one golfer in the world has to do is make the cut, and I make 100 bucks. I'm going to go sign up right now. Yeah, me too. I'm definitely <laughs> in on that. I, I'm I'm fairly certain that all three of those guys are going to make the cut. If one of them wasn't, I would maybe say Rory would be the one that I'm a little bit skeptical on. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a home run right yeah. there, I think. It's funny because we're doing this on Zoom, so you guys couldn't see Maddie's face. When I said 20 to 1 odds and listed the names, he's like, well, it's just for those guys to win straight up. You looked a little apprehensive. But then I said, make the cut, and your eyes lit up. And you were like, really? All they have to do is make the cut. So if it's good enough for the former four-star Matt the Cracks to Koyak, it's good to you. Go to FanDuel.com slash Cracked to sign up and take advantage of the offer by clicking on the banner on the FanDuel homepage. With that in mind, enough golf talk here on the podcast. That's got to be a peak in terms of our history. But what do we like to talk about all the time here on this podcast in particular? Rankings and how they relate to the rest of the season. And of course, it always helps when we have the professor, the man behind collegetennisranks.com to help explain it all. want to quickly read the statement from the ITA in this week's rankings before we get to all of your takes, Chris. And, you know, again, the announcement this year, the Intercollegiate Tennis Association will publish the ITA computer team rankings top 50, as well as the ITA coaches poll top 50 on Wednesday, April 7th. The ITA has decided to pause the publishing of the computer singles and doubles rankings as our staff and coach governance committees continue to review the best path forward for providing coaches, players, and fans the most accurate collegiate singles and doubles rankings. More information will follow as it becomes available. It goes on to say the ITA has always recognized and continues to understand that rankings are very important to our sport, to teams and conferences, coaches and players, as well as friends, friends, and families. The ITA understand that the concerns that many constituents, including Chris Hallioris, wow, they named you by name here in the statement, Chris. Uh, yeah, no, that I'm was sure. a little freestyle. Have articulated about the previous computerized rankings, and in certain cases, but not in the case of Chris Hallioris, we share those concerns. Over the past six months, our staff has worked tirelessly and in good faith. Would like to emphasize that they really are working tirelessly. They're trying, folks, in anticipation of what was going to be a very challenging season with respect to rankings. In addition to the work of the ITA staff, our association values coaches' governance uh, includes when it comes to the oversight of the ITA rankings. The coaches that serve on the ITA National Ranking Committee and ITA Ranking Subcommittees have played a vital role in setting direction and representing the views of membership throughout the process. That is a long way of saying we recognize that computer rankings aren't great. In particular, they're pretty bad in regards to individual rankings. So until we can figure things out, we're going to put a pause on it. And until we think the computer rankings are more are properly adjusted to the circumstances of the season, we're going to input uh, some manual data. We're going to have a coach's poll as well. That's the synopsis of what's going down. Let's bring in the professor now. Chris, I don't know if you want this to be your Chris's corner this week, but the floor is yours. It's currently 8.33 Eastern time. I'm giving you until 9 p.m. if you need to explain everything, but obviously (laughs) do what you got to do. Man, I don't even know where to start. So 
first off, I, yeah, I'm not even going to address the singles and doubles because I don't, I'm not, I'm not nearly as close to, to, you know, trying to digest all of that and, and, and validate, et cetera, those it's, I'm a lot more worried about the teams, but you know, here's, it's a complete disaster that we've taken a step back. Now we went with computer rankings. We said we were going computer rankings and then, uh, you know, there, there's a coaches, the ranking subcommittee meets every week and they talk through what should be happening. And this year, right, they didn't even lay out the schedule of how many countable wins were going to be counted each week because they wanted to sort of play it by ear. Well, I can tell you right now, you get a bunch of coaches on a call and try to get all of them to agree <laughs> to anything, forget it. It is never going to happen, especially and I can't emphasize this enough, especially when some of the salaries of these coaches depend on said rankings and what happens to them at the end of the year, because those may impact whether they make the NCAA tournament. And they all have incentives based on rankings, based on conference tournament wins, based on NCAAs, et cetera, et cetera. It's, you're just not going to get the coaches to agree. Somebody has to take a stand and say, this is what we're going to do. The ITA clearly is going to do what they think is in the best interest of the sport. In hindsight, we may come back afterwards, you know, and say, yeah, maybe that wasn't the best call. I don't really care. You have to make a call. We are like a week and a half away from all from a lot of these conference tournaments starting, and we don't even have a rankings process laid out. That is an absolute embarrassment. We have to have the rankings laid out now you know clearly and everybody knows this right the the people affected the most by what's going on are some west coast teams and the big 10 west coast teams affected primarily because of a some limited play and b just the delay in the start of play so that by the time they got started and the rankings were going they were down and it's a lot harder to work your way up once you're down the big 10. And that's the one I want to talk about is just, I mean, I don't know what you can do there. If you're not going to just make a manual adjustment, you're not going to get, no matter what you do with the computer rankings, you can't fix the big 10. They did it to themselves. And it's, this is not a knock on the coaches. The coaches didn't make these decisions, the conference and the conference commissioner said, Big 10 plays a Big 10 only schedule. Well, guess what, guys? The conference just screwed you. I'm sorry, but that's the way it is. We're, we now have a very vociferous coach on the rankings committee trying to plead the case of the Big 10, and there's just not enough you can do. Illinois, Ohio State, and Michigan are the class of the Big 10. They haven't lost to anybody outside of those top three. They're not giving any points to any of those other teams in the top three, your conference made a decision on what it's going to do. I'm sorry. You got to live with it. It is what it is. And, and you're stuck there. I feel bad for a lot of these guys. And I've talked to several of the big 10 coaches and we're not talking the top three. We're talking the ones affected lower in the rankings, right? By this. And the fact that they just can't get points, but you can't get points. I'm sorry. Now on top of it, you actually had two schools in Michigan and Ohio state that played in the kickoff had chances to get points out of conference had a chance to get to indoors and didn't make it uh, so i mean I, I i don't you know 
I feel sorry for the coaches in some respects, not so much just because of the commission, the commission did that to them on top of which we've heard some rumblings right out of the PAC 12 now of maybe some alternative formats that we've not got any confirmation on. So we're not going to talk about for a conference tournament, but something that the conference can do to help themselves. That same kind of situation was brought up for the big 10 for the conference tournament. If you guys want to plead your case that you're so badly underrated and you need more matches, your opportunity was to do something in the conference tournament. They floated the idea of whether it be, you know, more matches, whether it be a consolation bracket, double eliminate, whatever you want to talk about, it got voted down. Shot yourselves in the foot again. So I'm sorry, but the Big Ten is going to be where the Big Ten is going to be, and you just can't fix it in the computer rankings. Now, all that being said, that's the computer rankings, and the computer rankings should be run and should stand where they are. When the NCAA comes along, it is totally under their purview, as, as the ITA made it very clear, to do the selections for the NCAA tournament. They historically take the computer rankings and run right down the list, but there's nothing that says they have to, and this year, more than any other, might be the year that they have a committee that actually looks well further than just the rankings and says, oh, hey, you know what? This Minnesota team that, you know, last week was 53. I haven't even really looked at this week yet. Um, you know, maybe they should be, uh, you know, and I got the cut line or had it last week at like 46. Maybe they are top 46 and we put them in because of, of what happened. I don't know. That's certainly under the, under the NCAA's purview. But that can't change this computer ranking situation. We absolutely can't go into conference tournaments about to make NCAA selections and say, yeah, we don't even really have a ranking process right now. That's just that can't happen. Somebody's got to step and go step up and say, this is the process. We're going to follow it right or wrong. We're doing what we think is in the best interest of laying something out, because there's a point, And in my mind, we're already past that point. There's a point at which you go too far, and all of a sudden now you easily get accused of being biased, and someone says, oh, you're just changing the formula to make sure Stanford or UCLA looks good, or Michigan or Ohio State looks good, or whatever the case. I mean, we're at the end of the season, and we're still talking about making changes to that? No chance. We can't do that. Uh, I mean, that's uh, I, I just don't understand how we can't set the rankings out. We, I mean, that's got to be done. Like I said, they could go back you know, there's an alternative that said, if we started too early, let's go start them instead of the first week of March, start them from a later point and, and rerun them. I still think it's too late to do that now that you started the whole process, but whatever it is, somebody make a decision and get it done. But there's no fixing from a computer standpoint. There's no fixing the big 10 period. They're stuck in a bad situation as far as the computer rankings go. And you just got to live with it. Yeah. Uh, so a lot was said there, and by the way, we appreciate that breakdown. Normally, when you go on a rant like that, I stop listening. I swear, Chris, I listened from start to finish there. Like, again, because it's a fascinating discussion, and you kind of laid it all out. There were just a couple of places I would push back, although, you know, the very first thing you said, yeah, Big Ten coaches, the conference screwed you. They really did. Now, the thing where I will push back, Northwestern got a win over Duke, Iowa Crappy weekend. It's been a tough season for the Hawkeyes just in general. But, like, Michigan lost to Baylor. They probably beat Pepperdine if that second match is canceled. How valuable would that Pepperdine win have been for the Big Ten in retrospect? Immense, and we talked about it at the time. Ohio State, 
you're going to punish them for losing a match to Virginia, a match that was only played probably because of the fact that the National Indoors was limited to eight and not 16 this year. If it was 16A, Michigan doesn't play Baylor opening weekend. Michigan and Ohio State probably join Illinois in the field, and it's a whole new ball game for the conference to start the season. So to get to your largest point, and I, I, I hesitate here because Tim Russell – the, the entire ITA team, they're our friends. Like, we are, they're so supportive of everything we do here at Cracked Rackets. And, you know, it's it's uh, limited. Uh, you know, it's a um, – I'm not going to – yeah, Maddie threw me off my game because uh, he's making faces. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's a limited time – or it's a – you had nine months. You had nine months to figure out what you're going to do about the season. And could they have anticipated the fact that the Big Ten was going to limit everything to conference play? No, but you had two months to adjust to that. Could they have anticipated – I mean, that they knew they were limiting the well, national well, 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 hang on, though, man. They knew before Christmas that the Big Ten was limited to Big Ten only play. Yeah, no, exactly. I agree with you. So they've had a couple of months now to adjust their ranking system. And just if from the get-go you would have said, look – we're going manual this year. And yes, come teams 25 through 50, things are going to get a little bit screwed up. And we will run the rankings and we will use the computer rankings as a tool to supplement a manual ranking system this year. I know that's a lot of work for the coaches. I think every coach would have just been like, you know what? In retrospect, that's what we should have done. Like that would make the most sense because that's the way you prevent, you know, Michigan 7, Ohio State 8, Illinois 10 in the USTA rankings. You look in the coaches poll right now. Now, Illinois is 9, uh, Michigan 17, Ohio State 16. You look by the computer rankings, Illinois is 14 despite having a win over Virginia, despite having a win over USC. Ohio State is 23, Michigan is 28. Now, to your point, the Big Ten screwed. Like, it's a product of their own scheduling rules. At the same time, it if you're the governing body of college tennis, it's your job to adjudicate a conference getting screwed. You have the power. You're the governing organization. Like, I have to echo your sentiment a bit here, Chris. Just figure it out. Just make a decision. You're going to piss people off, but people get pissed off. That's just the course of life. You make decisions that are for the benefit of the game. Am I going to probably come on this podcast in a week from now if they're like, you know what, we're just going with the computer rankings. Sorry, Big Ten. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure I will come out here and be upset, but then I'll move on. Because a decision will have been made. And I think that's the biggest thing is just make a decision. And I can understand. And by the way, we're not going to get into names. We're not going to spill the tea. Yes, there was a contentious meeting, multiple contentious conversations happening in college tennis right now because there's a lot of confusion. And confusion is the kiss of death in governance, in in actual governance uh, at the state level, federal level, local level, at governance of sporting bodies, governance of anything. Confusion is the kiss of death. And that's what we have right now, Maddie. And it's just unacceptable. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you guys. I I have a few things I want to say here, but the overarching theme of what we've been talking about, what you just said, and what Chris originally said was, we just have to find something and stick to it. Right. I mean, that's the most important thing here. All the waffling back and forth, you know, one week it's this, the next week it's the, you know, again, you just said confusion, Gruskin. That's exactly what they're doing is just causing confusion for everybody. 
let's find a way to go about this. We thought, right, we were just going to run the straight computer rankings. You know, a couple of weeks ago, that's what they decided. Hey, we're going to run the computer rankings. Now we knew, okay, they're going to be a little bit off here, but I think we, we were like, okay, this is what it's going to be. Um, and now we're backtracking. So yes, I agree with both of you from that standpoint. Number two, when I look at the coaches rankings and I look at the computer rankings, I tend to agree with the coaches, right? You know, you just mentioned Gruskin, the Big Ten, you know, a little bit higher on the coaches poll than they are in the computer rankings. The Pac-12, Stanford, UCLA, USC, they're a little bit higher on the coaches poll than they are in the computer rankings. So objectively, just looking at the teams, yes, I agree with the coaches. I think those are more on point but something that Chris said before that I'm a little bit worried about, like he said, hey, let's just give the straight computer rankings to the NCAA for the tournament, right? And they have the, the ability to manually adjust. They can, Normally, though, they just go straight down the rankings. Chris, you mentioned that where in a typical year, the ITA gives them the computer rankings and the NCAA uses that. That would just be kind of my fear this year if we did just go straight computer rankings and you know they hand that over and the ncaa doesn't do anything right they don't make those manual adjustments they eh, screw it you know who cares let's just run down the rankings then that's a little bit of a problem so i would really hope i would hope that the ncaa can kind of man up and actually make those adjustments but, but yeah, I mean, regardless of if we're going coaches, if we're going manual, if we're going computer, we got to decide on something and, and roll with it. So, I, I mean, I agree with you guys from that standpoint. No, I would echo all of your sentiments as well, Maddie. Chris, you get the final word. Yeah, so, I, you know, one thing Maddie said that I didn't even get into my rant, monologue, diatribe, whatever Chris's corner. you want to call it. Yeah, Chris's corner. Uh the we didn't talk about the fact that there was that concept floated and going into the weekend prior to the first computer rankings coming out the belief by even the people on the committee was that they were going to go with a you know quote unquote modified computer ranking poll where they were basically going to run the computer rankings then the committee was going to get back together and talk about the teams that needed adjustment, AKA the Stanfords of the world, right? And to, the, to that end, before they even went into that weekend, they had already had that their talk that week on depending on how Stanford did, not so well, obviously that first weekend, but depending on how they were gonna do coming out, they had already talked about where do they think Stanford is so that when they got back together on Monday the next week, it didn't have to be a four hour conversation because it's supposed to be a one hour meeting. Uh, and they would have had an idea of where they want to manually recede them. And that concept got nixed, never made it out of quote unquote concept stage again at the coach's discretion. And now the committee wants to go back and say, Oh no, you know, I feel like they're going, maybe we should have done that. I mean, guys, you can't, you just got to make a decision. We floated that idea. If you want to go back to that idea, I, I feel like it's too late, but whatever, go to it. Just but but lay something out there and go. You can't just figure, oh, we're going to get to NCAA tournament and then tell you what the criteria is. Yeah, too late. No, I I agree with you. And just to add one more thing, because I'm now a voter in the USTA poll, and I'm not going to lie, it's a pain in the 
to try and figure out who is team number 24, 25. Like the margins between these teams are so thin. And I can totally see the coaches that sit on the committees being like, you know what? Uh, We're good. Like we've done enough work here. We want to focus on our teams. Let's just go back to the computer rankings. And so, you know, we criticize the ITA with due respect, as you mentioned, Chris, the coaches committee had the opportunity to be like, this is what we're doing moving forward. And they didn't. And so, yeah, that decision is now biting them in the derriere. And, I mean, you look at the top 10 of the rankings right now for the computer rankings. You've got Florida, North Carolina, Baylor, Virginia, Tennessee, Texas, TCU, A&M, UCF, and Georgia. There are only two teams there that we'd be like, whoa. Like, UCF, Georgia, that high? Maybe not. You know, that a 9-8 and eight Old Miss team is number 12 in the country, that a 12-7 and seven South Carolina team is 13 in the country, that a 7-8 and eight Oklahoma State is at number 18. Like, yeah, those are little things that probably manually you adjust. You move the Illinois, the Michigans, Ohio States, UCLA's of the world, Stanford, up a little bit. You know, you don't let the SEC, just by virtue of existing, dominate the top 30. But these are all correctable things that, in the coaches' poll, are reflected more accurately. And so, again, the solution's there. They're talking about it. This is not the last time we will discuss the rankings moving forward. I suppose, Chris, again, you are our rankings guru, wizard. I will give you the final word for real this time. Oh, no, I mean, I, I, I said my piece. I just, you know, we just got to, we got to lay it, whatever it is, we got, we got to state what it is and, and move on. And, you know, and that's it. Yeah, no, that's fair. Maddie shaking his head as well. So with that in mind, let's move on to talk about the results we saw unfold over the past week of college tennis action. It's pretty much all conference play from here on out as we try and figure out seating for conference tournaments and, you know, again, senior days, all of the fun things that are associated with the month of April in the college tennis season. Let's start with a conference we have not spent as much time talking about as a whole. We've talked about individual teams and pieces, but Big 12 play officially underway this weekend. Uh, Some fantastic results across the board. Let's start uh, with TCU, who earns a big win as they knock off Texas 4-3 in Austin. TCU takes the doubles point. They get a win from Graham Famba at one, from Fernley and Kurzban at number three. And then they get a win from Juan Martin, straight sets at the number six singles position. He seems to have settled in well. Straight set win from Alistair Gray at the number two singles position. And then 7-6 in the third, a 7-0 bagel in the third set tiebreaker for Luke Famba, who served for the third set, but was broken by Elliot Spaziri up by four, rebounded so well. You look for the Horned Frogs now. Their lineup, Famba, Gray, Jong, Fernley, Parallax, Martin, they are starting to settle in. You look for the Longhorns, who, again, we made a little... Oh, by the way, we didn't address this. To anyone who fell for our April Fool's joke, sorry. Like, yeah, (laughs) Chris and I actually love each other but like i knew that people would think that we're beefing but yeah no it was fake beef sorry i i get bored i need to have fun i don't have a lot of friends uh um, i know like the over under five on the number of messages we got asking if that was real well over well over and the best part is it was coaches too who i was like oh uh, yeah no, exactly that? yeah i was like am yeah. i selling my reputation like i wonder whose <laughs> side they'd taken the divorce chris mine or yours i feel like depending on their age and seriousness like the more serious on the curve they'd side with you the less serious they probably roll my way I'm 
pretty sure all the SEC kids want to live with me and all the Big Ten kids want to live with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And meanwhile, the, AC, uh, the ACC is like, we're good on both of them. We'll go hang yeah. with Matt. <laughs> yeah, we don't want either one of you <laughs> yeah, guys. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but anyways, Maddie, I want to go to you first here because, of course, Big 12, your conference now. Uh, you look for this Texas team. They shook up their top three. It's now Spaziri, Braswell, Waldeep. They do seem to have settled in. Harper, Huang, McDonald at that number six position. I mean, Texas only plays four three matches. They draw, you know, they took three set wins at three and five singles. Spaziri was right there with Famba at one. This is a good old-fashioned Texas showdown. Yeah, absolutely. This was a good old-fashioned Big 12 conference match, and that's why, you know, almost every one of these Big 12 matches kind of goes similar to this. They're always so tight, just because all six teams are so good, um, which is why we love watching. But yeah, for Texas, I you know, I'm okay with the Braswell-Waldeep flip, you know, two and three. I'm good with that. Spaziri at one. I mean... I think that's probably how it should be. I mean, mm-hmm. to be quite honest, I, I like it that way. Um, you know, Braswell had a lot of success at three. So in, in a sense, you go, eh, do we want to leave Micah Braswell at number three, have him pick up the win? And, you know, I, I don't know, but I'm okay with the lineup there. What for TCU though, where's Thomas Yurisek, right? You mentioned, hey, Fernley four, Parallax five, Martin six. The first thing when I saw the lineups for this match I said, where's Yersek? Okay, that's interesting. He had really been solidly playing number four. Where's Kruger? No Kruger in singles or dubs. Yeah, Kruger, I think, had an injury. Chris may know a little bit more on that one. I think Kruger's been injured, but I don't think Yersek's been injured as far as I'm aware. So to have him out, and he doesn't play doubles usually anyway. It's just singles. But, I mean, he's been playing number four singles this entire season. We know Fernley's been out. So I just thought that was a little bit interesting. And it worked out again. This match came down to doubles. Look, if you're Texas, I think you feel good about winning courts three, four, and five. I mean, that's solid. That's the middle of your lineup. If you can pick up wins there, you're going to be fine. But they have to find a way to win dubs. TCU is just is just better in doubles. You know, you look at those lineups and you go, yeah. I mean, I like the Horn Frogs. Um in doubles, and that was really the difference in the match. And, of course, Luke Famba. I mean, major credit to him. I mean, the guy is down. You know, he's serving for the match in the third set. He gets broken. He's down 5-6 and then doesn't lose another point. He stepped up huge, and that's something that you love to see. So, obviously, for TCU, fantastic way to start the conference play. For Texas, not so great. But, again, it was TCU, and now they've got four other matches you know, that uh, they're going to have to go out and try to win. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Chris, some numbers for you on TCU. They are now, uh, you look overall, 12-5 and five on the season. Their losses, though, 4-3 to Virginia, 4-3 to Tennessee, 4-0 at USC, but that's fine. 7-0 at Florida, not great, but fine. A 5-2 loss at Texas A&M, again, not great, but fine. Uh, you look across the board, they're about, you know, they're eight and seven, nine and five, and eight and six at their three doubles position. So they're playing about five fifty ball in doubles. They're, you know, 
really good at one singles, really good at two singles. Fama and Gray, you know what you're going to get. They're nine and four at six singles as well. But to Maddie's point about the middle of their lineup, seven six at the number three position. Sander Jong seven and four, but he struggled a little bit of late. Meanwhile, they're four and six at four singles. Uh, the leader there, Jirasek, four and two, five and five at five singles. Paralek is five and five. For a team that we talked about coming into the season, depth was going to be the thing for them. And yeah, Famba and Gray can win matches, but it's, you know, three through six is where we thought they were going to thrive. They haven't. And yet, like, their five losses were to five top ten teams. Is this team not just like the ultimate litmus test? If you beat them, you're probably a top ten squad. If you don't beat them, you're not a top ten squad. Like, what, what do you make of this TCU season? Because it's been a weird one. Yeah, I mean, I I think the best way I can the best way I can describe it is that they've they've really had very few matches with if any with what I would call you know the quote unquote real lineup, right? Yeah. I mean, they've had pe- different people, and not like everybody doesn't have this, right? Everybody goes through stretches where somebody's hurt, somebody's sick, somebody's whatever. But for them, it's been more than like my you know. I miss a match or two, right? They they started without firmly for the for the majority of the beginning part of the season. They finally start to get him back. Kruger, you know, Kruger hurts that shoulder at Florida serving. Haven't seen him since. Mm-hmm. Uh Jirasek, I don't know what Jirasek's situation is right now, but it's got to Maddie's point, it's gotta be that he's nursing something because he was definitely playing, you know, of of the two checks, being he and Paralek. He was the higher of the two and would st- and and did nothing to you know to deserve being demoted, if you will. So he would be there if he were healthy. So I, I just think we haven't seen, you know, on a full healthy lineup, Juan Martin probably wouldn't be making the lineup. And he's playing almost every week, right? But it's not like it's for one guy, it's for a different guy. One week it's for Paralek, one week it's for Jirasek, one week it's for Fernley. Uh, you know, some you know, Kruger may, maybe maybe in, maybe out. I just think we haven't, you know, they haven't been healthy. And because they haven't been able to be healthy to this point, there are some schools where it's one guy and you say, hey, we get the one guy back like an A&M situation. They're, you know, we know Barney's out for the year. They're basically just missing Habib. Habib comes back, that's the team. It's not like they got a rotating door of injuries. TCU just seems to have a rotating door, which leads me to believe that probably doesn't end. We're probably going to see it like that the rest of the season. So if you're going to rate them on their merits, you kind of got to rate them figuring someone's going to be hurt. They're not going to have the full team. You're going to be seeing Juan Martin at six and either Fernley's out or Jirasek's out or Parallax, you know, someone's, it's going to be that kind of thing. But to your point, yeah, even at that, as long as it's only one, maybe even two guys out, uh, they're still they're still kind of that top 10-ish type team that, yeah, top 10 team can beat them. If you're a little lower, they're probably going to beat you. But it can be, you know, it can be close for sure. No, I mean, you look at this Texas team uh, – excuse me, you look at this TCU team, again, uh, like between them, USC, like some of these teams, I'm at Wake Forest, I'm like, what are they actually – Georgia – what do they look like come the NCAA tournament? If they're fully healthy, like how good can these squads be? Because we're three months in and sometimes we really don't know. 
And yeah, just I feel like we saw TCU flex their muscles for just like the hottest second at the start of the season, and then they haven't been healthy ever since, to your point. So again, great victory for them, great bounce back after the A&M loss. You look for this Texas team now, you know, speaking of A&M, they just beat A&M earlier in the week for three in that match. You look uh, for the Aggie, uh, excuse me, for the Longhorns, they end up taking the doubles point, 7-5 at one seven six at two, they then get victories from Waldeep at three, Harper at four, and even McDonald at the number six position to clinch the victory. This Texas team now, uh, I believe, fifteen and four overall in the season. Their losses: Baylor, Baylor, uh, TCU, and Tennessee. We talk about them, the twenty twenty three NCAA tournament favorites, but Maddie, they're good right now. Oh, they're very good right now. Extremely dangerous team. But what's the difference, Gruskin, from the A&M match and the TCU match? Yeah, doubles. You're right. There you go. There you go. It's as simple as that, guys. Like, let's just be honest. It comes down when you're talking about teams like Texas, like Texas A&M, like TCU. Throw anybody else in there that you want to in the top 10. It comes down to the doubles. Plain and simple. They got the point against A&M. They were able to split the singles. They did not get the point against TCU and they still split the singles, but it's not good enough. So that's how I view it. Dangerous teams though, all the way around. hundred percent. I think you nailed it. And you look for this Texas team, their only losing position, they're eight and nine at the number one singles position, uh, you know, between Waldeep and Spaziri, but those guys are sophomores. They're young. Give them some time. The fact that they're 11 and six at two, 14 and three at three, 14 and three at four, Speaks to, again, Braswell or Waldeep or Spaziri, whomever is playing that three position, it's almost a lock. You know, you can pencil that one in, and then they're finding places elsewhere. At the number four singles position, uh, you know, Cleve Harper's been sensational. Chi-Chi Huang, after a slow start, has found his footing here. At number five singles, they're good right now. They can beat anyone, but most importantly, they believe they can beat anyone. Again, the 19 matches, eight of them have been 4-3 affairs. Uh, this Texas team can play, folks. And yes, they lost to TCU 4-3, but to beat A&M 4-3, they're in the mix. They can beat anyone. So look forward to seeing them play throughout the rest of this Big 12 season. You look at the rest of the Big 12 results. For Texas Tech, they split the Oklahoma swing. They beat Oklahoma State 4-3. They lose to Oklahoma 6-1. Baylor also also on the Oklahoma swing, they get a 5-2 win over the Sooners, a 4-2 win over the Cowboys. You again, you know, you look for these Oklahoma teams. Oklahoma State tough for them. 0-2 weekend again. You know, it feels like they're right there in every match, Maddie. But unfortunately, they're not able to get over the finish line. Uh, your thoughts on you know the rest of these Big 12 battles? Yeah, Oklahoma State, we definitely wouldn't have thought that they would have been 0-2 at home, especially. The problem is in the Big 12, like, you lose those home matches, and that's like, it's an extra bit of sting, you know, because then you know you're on the road, you're playing really good teams on the road, and you might not win there, so you kind of have to win your home matches, um, or at least get a split right here against Baylor and Texas Tech, so yeah, I mean, for, for the Cowboys, it's 
it's going to be an uphill climb in this conference for sure. Not the way that they wanted to start off, but again, they're dangerous, man. I mean, when you have guys like Vossel and Korsgaard and Kolovsky, I mean, just dangerous players. Um, you know, it's a team that you can't take lightly for Baylor. I think it was tremendous start to the conference, two road matches against the Oklahoma schools and they fixed their doubles, right? Which is what I had been clamoring for over the past couple of weeks. You guys remember I was, harping on that like fix the doubles it's so important um i talked to some guys on the team my brother nick they said hey we figured it out we know what we're doing now we're confident we feel good you know they took out oklahoma state and that doubles point in like 15 minutes and then the oklahoma match was like not much more 20 minutes um and they were off the court in doubles so for the bears they win doubles points like that it's over they're not going to lose four singles um, really to anybody, I don't think, in the country. I think you could make that statement. Um, you know, and for Texas Tech, hey, I mean, this is a team that we would think, you know, eh, probably the bottom of the conference, right? Number six out of the six teams. But to go on the road and get that win at Oklahoma State, uh, they're tough. And so, you know, they're going to push some of these other teams. I look forward to seeing what they're going to do. Uh, they have a big match in Waco on Saturday. Yeah, and I feel like we haven't talked much about the Bears of late. I'm looking at their season stats right now. In singles, it's laughable. Uh, Their worst position is number three singles. I was about to give you this whole take of like, at what point does some coach challenge Coach Woodson and say, you can't have Sven La at number three singles anymore, not when Charlie Broom is 13-1 and and Stokoe, you know, Nick, and I'm calling him Stokoe, sorry, and Nicky is 7-2, and and it's like they're 17-3 and at the five singles position, 24-1, and or excuse me, 17-3 at four, 24 and 1 at 5 and by the way yeah I'll pat myself on the back about Maloney for the duration of this season did I not say Charlie Broom would just dominate wherever he was at in the lineup I know you guys were also saying that but I like to think I was on the Broom bandwagon from the start he's been sensational again these numbers are laughable 17 and 4, 18 and 4, 16 and 6, 17 and 3, 24 and 1, 20 and 3 in their six singles flights. Yeah, there's some stat padding. I suppose seven of those wins are against Trinity. Uh, not to be disrespectful to Trinity, and it's a credit to Coach Woodson. Play matches. It's a college tennis season. You're there to play matches. It doesn't matter who you're playing. Go play. Uh, but these guys are a joke. Like, they are so good. And we may not talk about them as frequently as we do the Tennessees, Floridas, UNCs, Virginias of the world. Uh, but that's just because they're killing everyone. Uh, and so, you know, what do you say to a team like that? They've been sensational. But again, that's your Big 12 action over the course of the past week. To now flip gears to go down south, uh, but a little bit to the east as we head to the Southeastern Conference, a.k.a. the SEC. And Chris, I'm about to give you the floor once again. Let's start with the University of Alabama who had themselves a weekend, folks. They sweep the Mississippi duo. They knock off Mississippi State 5-2. They take the doubles points, 7-5 at 2, 7-6 at 3, and then get victories at number five singles in uh, number six singles, excuse me, is 2-2. Two two. A three-set win at number five singles, and then a three-set win for Edson Ortiz, 1-6-7-5-6-4 over Gio Ordani. Of course, then in the next match, Alabama knocking off Mississippi 4 three drop the doubles point to an always tough rebels team jogging rebels they don't run they jog in mississippi uh but then get four singles wins another win for ortiz at one a win from Zhao at number three a win from roberto at five a win from geshwinter at six i mean 
what's the count at now, Chris? Again, I suppose we can. Can we cross off Vanderbilt? Is it safe for us to cross off Vanderbilt? You let me know. But with these yeah. victories, like Alabama, and we'll get to Arkansas in a second, but like Alabama's 11, right? Like, or 10. Like, it's going to be double digits for the SEC this year. Uh, there's almost no doubt at this point. <laughs> I mean, well, I'm not even going to say almost. There is no doubt, barring some weirdness from the NCAA uh, selection committee, that it's double digits. Can I, I mean, just ask no, quickly, th- quick tangent, more likely to get in, Minnesota or Vanderbilt? Minnesota, by far. Okay, Vanderbilt or Bama. Uh, excuse me, Minnesota or Bama. Like Bama by far, right? Bama by far. So yeah, Minnesota- Bama's a lock. Yeah. Okay. So make the case. Sorry for cutting you off. I was just curious. Yeah. I mean, like Van, right. Vandy's out the next, the next team that would currently be sitting outside the bubble right now would be LSU. And at this point, everyone else is in. So that's 11 in as of this moment. It's crazy. Uh, So to get, you know, and I, and you know, it's very possible LSU being that next team up, by in in finishing off uh the year and i'm taking a quick gander here they've still got oh tennessee georgia and alabama left on the schedule so (laughs) they've got some points likely you beat tennessee or georgia if you don't beat bama you you know three losses and then a conference tournament probably knock you out um but that's still that still puts you at at a at a solid 11 right uh so yeah Uh, but i you know you did bring up i'm gonna go back I'm going to go back to my rant for just a minute because you reminded me of another point with the fact that these SEC teams just beat each other up, right? Alabama having this tremendous weekend, and we'll get to Arkansas in a minute too, but Alabama having this weekend, right? We've talked in the last couple pods about how, you know, once your conference gets up there, and I, and I say jokingly, but not jokingly, that somebody needs to beat Illinois to spread some points around the big 10, the sec does it every year, not intentionally. It's not like any, you know, not like Mississippi state and Ole Miss went out there and said, Hey, let's lose to Bama this weekend to make sure these points get spread around. It just happens because it's that competitive, but those points trickle down now over the next couple of weeks, Bama jumps to 22 this week. Now, all of a sudden the people that beat Bama next week, get the big lift, which is a bunch of other sec schools. And then they lost to SEC other teams like Mississippi state, who in turn gets the lift right back. So it helps the whole conference. The point I want to get to is the big 10 kind of making the argument that they're being left out this year. You can't have it both ways because the argument you're using is the same argument that the non-power five conferences specifically say the Ivy league and the American, and you see it this year with the American, they're up there. They have all their teams up there, but in a normal year, they're the ones pushed down and they're making that complaint, but there's nobody from the power five wanting to listen because they're the power five and they're ranked up. Now, all of a sudden you're the conference that looks like the mid major. And now you want to complain. You can't have it both ways. It's one or the other. So, uh, all right, that's enough of that rant back yeah. to Alabama. I was going to Tremendous- say, <laughs> okay, good. I was going to say at some point you'll talk about the Alabama weekend, right? Yeah. 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 Back to Bama. Oh, I mean, tremendous weekend for Alabama, right? They've shown flashes this year of being really, really good, right? They had that Kentucky match at home and we were all kind of going, huh, what happened there? Because we know Kentucky's really good and Alabama had been kind of looking like, you know, a 30-ish, mid-30s type team. And, you know, I'll 
I'll tell you, in Maddie's world, you know who's really happy about this weekend for Alabama? NC State. Mm-hmm. NC State beat them kickoff weekend and is struggling right now for big point wins. They just got a huge, well, they will get a huge lift next week when the Alabama rank at 22 is what counts on their record. You know, and it takes an extra week for that to take effect. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Bama has shown flashes. They look like they're really kind of turning it on right now. I mean, those are two really good quality wins for them uh, over Ole Miss and Mississippi State. And, you know, it's not like it's not like they have the hardest SEC schedule yet left. Uh, they've got Arkansas uh, this weekend, and then they've got two makeup matches from the weekend that they had to make up, presumably meaning they had the issue. Uh, and that's LSU, another match you would expect them to win. And then A&M, that's going to be a tough one to win, obviously. But two out of the three matches that you think, hey, those are those are matches that are, are very winnable matches for them. So so they're looking very, very good. And at 22, yeah, they're they're a lock. doesn't matter what they do. Yeah, I, I would agree. And again, they, you know, Zhao down to number three singles, that's dangerous for any opponent playing uh, Bama. And they've been good at the bottom of their lineup. They're just a scrappy team, Maddie. And, you know, again, for them to get these victories now, tough loss for Mississippi, who, you know, again, they can beat anyone just as likely as they can lose to anyone. And especially given they won the doubles in that match, that is a particularly tough loss. That's a rematch from the kickoff weekend, right? I believe those two teams played that weekend. Mississippi got the victory. Um, In Raleigh. Yeah, but again, just overall, your thoughts on the Crimson Tide. I don't even remember what Chris said. I don't know, you know, moments ago. But no, your thoughts on this? I mean, they're a veteran squad, right? They're Alabama's a veteran squad. So when it comes down to it, and these matches are tight, I mean, you would almost expect them to win some of these just based on that experience factor alone. We hadn't always seen it over the past couple of months, but hey, maybe it's starting to show right now, and. Look, you want to be peaking now. Like, you want to be playing your best tennis in April and May as opposed to February and March. So if that's going to be the case for Bama, they'll take it. Yeah, I agree with you. And, again, it great. it's a great weekend for uh, the Crimson Tide, Chris. Yeah, you know, yeah, one one more thought on Bama that, that, you know, George has a little bit of a luxury there that some of the schools don't. And, and that is that with his top three, you mentioned that they've knocked Zhao down to three, right? Between Ortiz, PK, and, and Zhao, they can play any order. And leg- and it's legit. I mean, I can't tell you, oh, for sure, Ortiz. I mean, Ortiz, I thought coming into the year was going to be one, and I was surprised he was down on kickoff weekend, right? But they can legit put, play those guys in any order, and it's not really a stack. So he kind of gets the luxury. Now, granted, you can only move a guy one position each week, but he gets a luxury of looking at his matchups and very easily saying, yeah, I like my matchups this way. I'm going to flip these two guys this week. And there's, you know, nobody's going to have a good argument to say, no, absolutely not. That doesn't make, you know, we're challenging and they're probably not going to win that challenge. Yeah. All fair points. I would agree. And, you know, the good news for Ole Miss, they bounced back. They did get a win over Auburn. Uh, so, you know, he uh, for Mississippi, they're still in the mix. Computer rankings love them. They're doing their part. They've gotten a couple of big wins. So, uh, again, will be interesting to see uh, where all of these teams go moving forward. I feel like uh, – do you want to give a rant on your Mississippi State Bulldogs on how good they actually are? I feel like I've given my approximation. I think Michigan's legit good. This Mississippi State team – 
you know, it's not the Nuno years, clearly. This isn't a top 10 team. But how good is this year's team, Chris? Yeah, you know, it's. I think they're still – so here's here's my take on them. They're, they have some really good singles players. They've struggled with the doubles point, and much like some of these other schools we've talked about, it's against good teams, it's going to be very hard for them to get four singles matches without the doubles point. So they've got to turn that doubles around. Uh, you know, Gio's struggling a little bit right now. If he, but he's another, he's one of these guys that can just turn it on. If he gets his game going, yeah, the rest of the guys, uh, they're super solid. This kid that they got, the freshman, uh, Carlos Hernandez, that they've got playing five has been just, I mean, he's been one of the more impressive guys in the lineup uh, all year. Uh, and then you got another freshman in memo at three who's also played really well. And then everybody else has been around. It's a really, really good squad. I just think that they've got to figure out a way to win doubles. They're, they are, they're about, I mean, I put them uh, in the neighborhood on, on their good days. They're right about where the computers got them ranked. I have them a little lower than that in my rankings, but I think they're a fighting for the top 16 type school. If they're playing well, if they're not winning the doubles point, then I put them more down around like 20 to 22. Right. But still a dangerous school that you probably you don't want to see them uh, if you're the, you know, if you're the 14, 15 uh, in the, in the rankings come NCAAs and that's who you see in your region, uh, probably not a school you're looking forward to facing in the second round. Yeah. I, I, that would be, that's probably and, what and I, it's very possible because if they go computer rankings that they end up a top 16. So they, uh, they end up a one seed, right? They're, they're sitting right on that bubble oh. right now. If Mississippi State gets seeded and Michigan does not in the top 16, Chris, I'm banning you from the pod for one week, just on principle. Just paying, you're paying All I can fine. say is I hope, I honestly hope that that doesn't mean that Michigan plays at, in their region. Oh, wait, ah. that, yeah, let me scratch that. Let me scratch that. <laughs> you're absolutely right. That's the far better scenario. I mean, I, to, to, have, to have your guys play Maddie's school at the kickoff weekend and my school in the NCAAs, uh, it would it would only be good if, in hindsight, we both beat you. Or it would only uh, it would be, be terrible good as if, if I if I came out on the losing end of that. Or if in the round of sixty four they played Liberty, that would just be mwah, chef's kiss. That could happen. Oh my! How about a Liberty Michigan Mississippi State quad? Oh, I mean, don't don't get my hopes up. How about Baylor the one seed there, and it's like Mich- Mississippi State's the two, Michigan's the three, and Liberty's <laughs> that the four. Could totally happen. You know, knowing Woodson, he's gonna be like, hey, let's make this happen, guys, and then he'll be like, oh, you all have to come. He's like, now you have to come to Baylor for the weekend. Sorry, guys, and then we'd be like, hell yeah. Let's road trip it, baby. Um, but anyways, that was – it's crazy because we're an hour into this podcast and perhaps the biggest upset of the weekend has yet to be discussed. Maddie, I want to go to you on this match first. Arkansas, who we clearly gave – all right. I'm going to give the, the glass half empty, glass half full. Glass half empty, were we too critical of them? Probably. Glass half full? We lit that fire under their – boys they delivered their best victory of the season they earn a 4-3 upset over Tennessee at home you look for this team that they were able to win this match despite dropping the doubles point despite dropping the number one and two singles matches and sweeping the volunteers from three to six singles Maddie does this tell you more about Arkansas or tell you more about Tennessee Ah. Uh. In, on this particular day, I think it says more about Arkansas. I'm still not worried about Tennessee because 
we didn't have Hussey in the lineup either, guys. So remember that. We had Pat Harper playing five. We had Mark Walner playing six for Tennessee. Whatever. The point here is Arkansas, they did it. They did it. And I was streaming some of this match. I have to give credit to their squad, the crowd. They were getting hyped up. They were energetic. This was such a good college. I mean, this is what we envision the teams getting into it, the crowds there. This was in Fayetteville, by the way. This was a road match for Tennessee. Just a lot of fun. And you know what? After losing the dubs point, they said, hey, you know, we got nothing to lose. Let's roll out here and just play our best tennis. And credit to the Hogs, man. I mean, look, we've been critical. I'm still not going to take them. Like, when it comes down to it in the tournament, I still am not going to, like – I just don't think they're that major of a threat. I, I still don't believe it. I know they just beat Tennessee. Oh, top five team, blah, 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 whatever. Yes, Tennessee was missing Hussey. But look, this win was fantastic, and they are dangerous. They've shown now that they can beat the likes of an A&M, a Tennessee. So you have to be prepared. If you're one of these better teams playing Arkansas, come tournament time, please do your homework, get prepared, be ready for them because they are dangerous, they're going to fight, um, and they're a fun team to watch. I enjoyed watching this match, and, and that last, you know, to come down to core four, um, you know, credit to credit to the Hogs, man. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Can I just, quick question for you, Maddie? Would you rather have Famba and Gray or Monday and Walton as your top two? I know. Here's, even, even without an answer, your reaction is the answer I was looking for. Monday and Walton are freaking good, man. Like, they are as good as any top two in the country. Uh, no, okay, but I'm saying they can hang with any top two in the country. Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I really like I, – I like both of those guys. And, again, Monday being a freshman, you just like – I want that guy on my squad just because I know. Right like, he can develop – right now, I know he can develop over the next couple of years. He's only going to get better. Famba and, and, and Gray, they're a little bit older. You know, they've been around now. But I'll, I'll take that tandem as well. I mean, you give me either one of those, and I'm going to be perfectly fine with it. That's, that's a really tough call. Um, to make, did they play a kickoff week or at uh, yeah, they, at indoors? They did play it indoors. I think Famba. I I don't remember what happened at one. I think Famba beat Monday six and six, if I remember. Yeah, Famba. Right, that was it. And then and I don't remember Gray, what happened between. Walton so and Gray. I, I have the answer pulled they up. They were unfinished. For you. I, I was going to say I have the answer pulled up for you guys quickly for that match. Tennessee took the doubles point, and then it was Gray six four in the third over Walton. That was a four three match. Everything TCU okay. played that week was four three. So Famba Gray swept them, uh, but that was another one because the day before, uh, or was it the day before or the day after? 
uh, I, it might have been. I don't remember the day wise. It's all mixed up in my head. But Walton had done the same thing to Blumberg the day before, and it was like, oh, or maybe it was the day after he did the same thing to Blumberg. So it was just like, oh, I guess Adam Walton just kills everyone in first sets. Yeah, because I think TCU lost to Tennessee first, and then they lost their second match, and then they lost. Oh no, no, no UNC beat Tennessee first, and then Tennessee beat TCU. You're right, Manny. I appreciate you shaking your head at me. The point is, Walton did it back to back days, and it was like, oh, maybe. Maybe this guy is the best player in the country. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you're a Tennessee fan, you're a bit, you know, frustrated that Wiedemann had that match on his racket at the number four singles position. Of course, normally he's at number five, to your point, Maddie. But, you know, you think this is a match you win. But, of course, as we learned last year, as Baylor learned, uh, Arkansas can beat anyone on any given day. Uh, a great upset for the Razorbacks. And, Matt, sorry, Maddie, were you starting to say something? No, no, I, I agree. You look at even back to last year. I forgot about that match with yeah. Baylor. You know, we came on the pod. I remember uh, that was a fun episode last year. So it's just funny because this Arkansas team, they have their moments, right? They have their moments and it's like, what a win. What a great job. But then, you know, the rest of the season is a little bit, eh. you know, some of their losses, like, I, I don't know. It's just, it's a tough team to kind of put your finger on because you don't really know what you're going to get all the time. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of putting it. But again, a great win for the Razorbacks, Chris, which now probably, again, puts them pretty firmly in the thick of things in terms of qualifying for the NCAA tournament. I, I don't know if we kicked to you yet in this match. I don't think we have. So your thoughts on Arkansas pulling off the upset? I mean, it's, you know, I think we've been through we've been through the calling them. I mean, yes, it's an upset. I went back looking at this after the fact, right? And I pulled up uh, Arkansas's resume, and I don't I don't have it in front of me. But obviously, right now they've beaten two top ten teams in A and M and Tennessee. And if I recall correctly, uh, when I had looked at it, they only had one loss. They have a lot of losses but only one of them outside the top 30. And that was LSU. I think they're now that may have changed this week. I think their next worst, maybe Memphis who at the point in time I was looking at, it was high twenties. I'm not even sure. I'm not looking at this week's rankings, but basically, you know, saying, yeah, they've played obviously a tough schedule. We're had some really, in, in addition to that, Right, they had the match. They were up three-two on Oklahoma State. Ended up dropping it four-three. They've had really tight matches with top twenty-five teams, and then managed to pull off two top ten wins. If I were to show you, you know, some of those wins and some of those tight losses without ever revealing the team and just said, "Hey, what's the, how's this resume look?" You'd probably go pretty darn good. Until right, it's that kind of eye test, paper test, where you go, "Okay, now I'm going to show you." who it is and lay out, say, the UTRs of the players, and all of a sudden you go, oh, huh, how'd they do that, right? Yeah. But, like, it's not always about that, right? Some teams, I mean, they, they are, they're clearly playing really well, and, and you know, they're a, they're a, what I find odd with them is they're a, re, they're, they're a tough team to figure out. They're really dangerous because when they play well, they really play well, right? You got you to gotta play good to beat A&M. Uh, and to beat Tennessee, but then when they don't play well, they don't play well, right? So it's it's like, which team do you get on which day? I mean, it's like, look at the Georgia match, right? So they beat Tennessee on Sunday, and on Friday, they played Georgia, 
and look at those scores. Like they got smoked. They got smoked. I mean, you're talking straight sets on one, two, four, five, and six. Only one singles match went three sets. That was court three, Phil Henning's split. But everybody else, it was like, oh my God, two and six, three and four, four and five, three and one, two and two. And that was just from Friday to Sunday, getting smoked by Georgia and then beating a top five team in Tennessee. It's hard to judge. Yeah, you just don't know what you're going to get. But clearly, they've got, I mean, they have the talent and they can step up. And that's, you know, probably a team. And, and we don't know. And, and, and those wins, obviously, coming at home as well. We don't even know, you know, A, the deadline uh, was, I believe, in Division One was yesterday or Monday for putting in bid packets. I don't know if they if they put one in their host. The other thing is, before I even get there, they host the SEC tournament this year. So watch out for Arkansas in the SEC tournament because they're playing at home. And then, you know, depending on how they give out the hosting spots for NCAAs, right, they're, they're a very dangerous team, especially at home. I don't want to see them at – I don't want to see them in Fayetteville for sure. No, I mean, this is a dangerous Arkansas squad. Everyone in the SEC, there's a reason the computer way thinks the way uh, thinks the way about it that it did the conference that it does. Uh, Arkansas delivering the goods with the victory over Tennessee to rapid fire through the rest of the conference's results. And Chris, I want to hear your thoughts. Good weekend for Kentucky. They knock off South Carolina four two. They play a really tight match against Florida. Florida ultimately wins five two. But for Kentucky, they took the doubles point and then got first sets at the number uh, three, six, and or two, three, and six singles positions. But in the end, Florida uh, able to grind that match out. Speaking of which, it was a tough weekend for Florida. First one for them in a while. They play that 5-2 match against Kentucky. They also earn a 4-3 victory over Vanderbilt. Drop doubles points in both of those matches. I'll start with you, Maddie. Your thoughts on the rest of the SEC action. Yeah, I think for Florida, it's okay. I mean, yeah. look, when you play Vandy... It's just natural that you're going to go into that match. You know, Vandy's at the bottom of the standings and you're just not quite as sharp. That happens all the time. They still got out of there with the win. At least they didn't let it get to the point where they actually lost the dual match. I'm okay with Florida, you know, whatever. They beat Kentucky and Kentucky's great. So um, they were able to rebound on Sunday. But yeah, no, other than that, um, I mean, pretty, pretty fun weekend as always in that conference. Chris? Yeah, I'll be. In, I'm gonna get to. I'll get to see Kentucky this weekend. And it's a shame I haven't been over there already. Only an hour, hour and fifteen minute away from my house. But uh, they get the contingent of Mississippi schools this weekend at home. So they will host uh, on on Friday. They'll host Ole Miss, and on Sunday they will host Mississippi State. I will make it over there uh, for the Mississippi State match Sunday. So I'm looking very forward to seeing that. But yeah, great weekend for them and. For a lot of these schools in the SEC, other than those with makeup matches, this was the last planned uh, weekend for the conference. So a lot of the schools will finish their play this weekend. And there's a lot to be like the only things that are basically given in my mind in the conference right now are Florida's the one seed uh, and uh, and Auburn and Vandy are, are going to be the 12 and 13 seeds. Everything else in the middle is still up for grabs, including Tennessee and A&M who still have to play. Uh, and what a weekend for A&M this weekend. A&M gets Georgia and Tennessee, I think. Uh, yep. I'm just taking it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 
at Georgia and at Tennessee, that's huge for deciding the order of these teams, who goes where, uh, especially since A&M's already got three losses. I mean, it, you, you could conceivably go, wow, they could lose both of those matches on the road, end up with five losses and not even be a top four seed and have to play, you know, an earlier match. Wow. Uh, I don't, I don't anticipate it, but it certainly wouldn't surprise me. No. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it'll be a big weekend in the sec. It's one big log jam, you know, after you get past Florida, it's still Tennessee's sitting okay in that two spot. But like we said, they've got to play A&M this week and their other matches LSU. So I don't, Tennessee doesn't drop further than three. They're two or three. That's it. But A&M could drop further and everything from three down is a total crapshoot right now. How funny would it be if, like, the SEC ends up doing a round-robin for its conference tournament and it's like all the schools get 12 more matches and they just keep them all in Arkansas for two weeks and they're just like, let's really screw everyone in the computer rankings. And they're like, yeah, let's do it. Um, but, no, I, I, I would echo everything you guys have said about the conference. As always, it delivers the goods. Rapid fire here through the rest of these because we don't want this podcast to hit the two-hour mark. And it might if we take as long as we usually do on these matches it was a big and freaking much needed weekend for the Stanford Cardinal as they get a 6-1 victory over Arizona 4-3 victory over Arizona State we got this specific question from one of our listeners so just to address it Arthur Ferry the freshman uh, I believe goes 4-0 on the weekend gets both of his wins he and Ross start at the number three doubles position that's a little Seguin uh, Rinky Hijikata esque at number three for Stanford wins both of those matches also gets a 7-6 in the third clinch win over Rocco Tamalala of Arizona State. He gets a 1-0 victory over Gustav Strom, whose praises we were singing on last week's pod. You look for Stanford in the win against Arizona. They get doubles. They get 1, 2, 3, 5, and 6 in the match against Arizona State. They get doubles. They get 2, 5, and 6. I mean, 5 and 6 were always going to be the numbers for them because of the depth, because of the talent they have freshman-wise. But if Arthur Ferry's this good, this quickly, Maddie. It sucks that we don't get to see five months of Stanford because if we got to see them in month five, I may have been too soon in yelling at you guys last week about being on their bandwagon because they're damn good. Right, and and that's the thing. It's like, is this too little too late? It seems like they're starting to get – I mean, we expected this. Their first couple of weeks that they were playing, it wasn't great. But look, they hadn't practiced. They hadn't played any dual matches. That was to be expected. And now we're starting to see the results that, you know, at the beginning of the season we said, hey, this is what Stanford's going to do. Um, you know, can they find another gear – like – I still think if they're going to compete, if they're going to be, you know, top 10, are they going to make the quarterfinals of NCAAs? They've got to hit another gear. I don't think they're quite there yet. They still have some time over the next month or so. What I'm hoping is, you know, this is just kind of the start and their trajectory is still going north. Because if that's the case, then, you know, we may actually get to see the Stanford that we've always wanted to see this year um, come tournament time. I hope. Yeah. No, look, Geller's not playing his best yet. Neither is Rod Stark. But the idea of him at three is scary. And Arthur Ferry plays aggressive. He's just good. He's freaking good. His game's going to work in college tennis. I'm not sold on Tristan Boyer yet. I need to see more of him and... You know, to see it be Sa and Jenison, and we still haven't really seen Sandri Streethard yet, 
in the lineup. I still have questions. So many questions about this Stanford team. But yeah, Chris, we finally got a peek of their ceiling. Yeah, well, we're going to get a much better peak this weekend, right? Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, I, we don't, I think they, they host on the farm USC and UCLA, don't they? Yeah, I believe so, right back-to-back? Back? Yeah, I think they've got those two teams. So, you know, was it, a, was it just one good weekend and, and then they, don't, they fail to follow through? Or do they follow through and all of a sudden they're on a roll? I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But clearly what we did get to see was Arthur Ferry – at least for the last weekend was everything he was cracked up to be in being the number one newcomer. Uh, I mean, he was by far the the most heralded incoming freshman. The other thing I'll say is the start we saw wasn't necessarily, you know, unforeseen. I've said this many times. I know people want to say tennis is tennis. You get on the court and you play a guy across from you and that's all there is to it. But no, not exactly. January commits always struggle, especially the European ones. They always struggle to acclimate to the college game. It's not just you against the guy across the net because you've got teams yelling. You've got fans yelling, unlike anything you've ever played in and feeling the pressure of you're playing for other guys and not yourself. It's just different. And some, some guys adapt to it quicker and better than others. And some don't, but you always see that process and how it, you know, how it manifests itself in some of these guys. And so, yeah, let's, let's give him a little time. But I think we're starting to see as he gets into what it, you know, what college tennis is, what we expected to see from him. And, you know, we've still got another month, this month and a half to see it, hopefully. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, again, how good can the Stanford team be is such a fascinating question. That's why we continue to talk about it here week in, week out. That's why they are a linchpin in so many of the rankings discussions that are had because no one wants to face them that opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. And given their predicament this season, that seems like a very likely scenario for one of the top 16 teams. But good weekend for Stanford Better weekend for UCF, who, as I mentioned, reached number nine in the ITA rankings on the back of a 4-3 victory over Wake Forest this weekend. They take the doubles point, Hildebrand and Pavel and DeCamps and Mizuki uh, winning at one and two. They then get a victory from DeCamps, 6-2 in the third at one from Mizuki, 6-love in the third at three, and then Hildebrand, 6-4 in the fifth uh, in the third at five. You look on for this UCF team, they follow that up with a 5-2 win over Tulane. They earned a 4-3 win over USF this weekend as well. Matty, is UCF a top 10 team? Well, we're going to find out in a few minutes here if I think they're a top 10 team in my (laughs) rankings. That's true. Let me then phrase it like this. You look at this UCF team, you look at their record on the season here. They're 15-3. and three. They're three losses, 4-3 to Texas A&M, 4-2 at Georgia, and then their other loss, I believe, was their first match, 5-2 to Florida. They've earned victories over USF, over Miami, over FSU, over Arkansas, SMU, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and now Wake Forest. You know, wins over Tulane and USF as well. If UCF makes the Sweet 16, would that surprise you? Maybe that's the better way of framing it. Nope. Yeah, right. They are that good. No, it would not. They are that good. And what I like about UCF is the fact that they play good doubles. 
They really do. I mean, this team, look at what they did to Wake. I mean, they just smoked Wake in doubles. And again, Wake Forest, maybe not the best of, I mean, but look, they're still a really good team. Wake Forest is, you know, regardless of their doubles play, I just think that helps so much because they're solid throughout their singles lineup. One through six, you look at UCF and you go, yeah, I mean, they're good. They're solid all the way through. And if they can win doubles, they've shown that they can find a way to split and get three singles matches. So, yeah, I think they can make the Sweet 16. I do. Chris, same question to you. They've clearly wrapped up the American Conference, but is this team legit top 16, top 10 good? I mean, it's how can you – I'm going to speak out of both sides of my mouth. Right? I can I can make both arguments. Okay. Do I believe they are? Yes, I do believe they are. Uh, I'm not going to be surprised at all to see them make the sweet, you know, the, the, the top 16 uh, in the NCAA tournament. I think that next step of quarterfinals is going to be a really, really tough uh, and big step for them. I'll echo Maddie's sentiment as far as, hey, do I actually think their top 10? We'll find out here in a few minutes. But that being said, if I want to play devil's advocate, I'll say, hey, let's let's look at the top 10 of whatever top 10 you want to look at. There are very few teams. You probably have to get all the way to them before you find a team that hasn't beaten a top 10 team. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're, they're doing it kind of, and what I would call it the classic mid-major way. They're, they're scheduling not quite the top 10, but the next tier of teams and beating all of them. Uh, and that's, that's the way you got to do it. I mean, well, if you're them, I'm not going to say all of them, obviously, you know, they've got, they lost to Florida and they lost to Texas A&M and they lost to Georgia. That's their three losses. Uh, so Georgia's just outside maybe the top 10, they didn't beat them, but, but yeah, everybody else they're beating. So, so yeah, they're, they might be along with your, uh, your classification of TCU might be the litmus test. You beat UCF, you're top 10. You don't, you're not. Cause they're like, they're right there at that cut line for top 10 and they beat the teams they should, and they lose to the teams that are above. Mm-hmm. No, uh, I would say, again, they are, they're a really, really good team. And, I mean, DeCamps, Spencer Hildebrand, all the options top to bottom, uh, they can win at a lot of different flights across their lineup. Their pathway to four, very diverse. And as Maddie mentioned, a lot of it starts with doubles. Uh, just quickly, some other results to run through before we wrap things up. Tulane, 4-3 over USF. Western Michigan, I believe, clinched the men's MAC conference with a 6-1 win over Northern Illinois. You also had Duke. 5-2 victory over Liberty. So Maddie gets another victory over us here this year, Chris, as he's still a Duke Blue Devil somewhere deep down. And then my match of the week, shout out to Presbyterian College. I may be Jewish, but I can always acknowledge some success from my religious brethren, Presbyterian College. 4-3 win over Longwood. Uh, I believe they got the clinch with a uh, – it was a pretty straightforward match, actually. Uh, there were a bunch of tiebreakers. They got the clinch pretty uh, early, but shout out to Presbyterian. With that in mind, that's your action from the past week. Just quickly in terms of the week ahead, uh, there are a lot of fun matches. Conference play continues. You mentioned for Texas A&M, they've got Georgia. 
Georgia and Tennessee. Uh, you look for Texas. They've got Oklahoma State this week. Uh, I believe they also have Oklahoma. Uh, you know, Baylor going to get tested on Saturday. They take on Texas Tech. Ole Miss plays Kentucky this weekend. Oklahoma State, TCU, Oklahoma, Texas. All the fun conference matches, permutations we haven't seen yet. That is what is on schedule for all of us here this week. With that in mind, only one thing left to do. Give our updated Cracked Rackets Top 10. Chris, I'm going to ask you to pull up the spreadsheet. Of course, it feels like right now our Top 10, as valid as any Top 10 you're going to find across the country. So perhaps uh, you will put in some additional value. Ooh, Maddie brings out the list. I love it. We're getting official here with that in mind. Let's get into it. We'll start at the top. As we always do. Not too much movement given the only big upset was of Tennessee. Now, I stand by my take. I know they lost to Virginia badly. I still have North Carolina as number one. You know, there's no top 10 team that's still undefeated. There are undefeated teams still across the country, but I'm going to stick UNC number one. I guess my question to you, Maddie, before we get into the granular, are your top five teams still the same, or did you knock Tennessee for this loss out of your top five? Because it feels like these have been the top five for about two months now. Yeah, it does. Um, Why do I have to reveal that right now? We're not at number five yet. All right. All right. I like it. I like it. A little coyness. That's uh, that's good. That's good. That's what I like to hear from you, Maddie. Well, then with that in mind, I still have UNC number one. Who's number one for you? Yeah, I still have Florida as my number one team. Chris? Still Florida. All right, makes sense. Um, Yeah, again, and for me, it's UVA 2, Florida 3, my exact same top three. Is your top three still the same as well, Maddie? My top three does remain the same. So I have UVA at number two, and I have North Carolina at number three. No changes there. And Chris, same question. Yeah, same. Virginia 2, North Carolina 3. Awesome. Well, then there's your top three. Now, I still had Baylor at four last week. I don't remember if you guys did or did not. I think it goes without saying they're still my number four team here this week. Maddie, you're shaking your head. Bears move back up to number four? They do for me, so that's a change in my ranking. There guys. it is. That's I did, the change. I did not have Baylor at number four. I had Baylor at number five, and I now have them up to number four. Okay. And, uh, Chris, same question to you. I feel like that's, I imagine, similar. Yep, I've got Baylor. Had Baylor four last week, still do. All right, well, now things get interesting. How much do you penalize Tennessee, who has been as consistent as it gets here in the college tennis world, who were down their number four or three singles player, I believe, this past weekend in Giles Hussey? Uh, is that he played three or four? I think he plays four now. Um, either way, uh, you look for Tennessee. Do you punish them? Do you reward a TCU team that just knocked off Texas? Do you, you know, what do you do with a Texas team, by the way, that just uh, beat Texas A&M but lost to TCU? I stuck with the Volunteers at number five. They've been damn good this season. I'm not going to knock them for their second conference loss of the year. Like, on the road, 4-3, down a player. They're my number five team. Maddie, what say you? Yeah, I mean, based on the other teams that I have on my top ten list, I just I can't knock them any further either. So I have the Volunteers at number five on my list. They move back a spot from number four to number five. I hate to say it, they've also moved back a tier for me. They were in the national title contender tier. They've fallen off. Like UNC, Virginia, Florida, Baylor, if any of those teams win the national championship, I would not be surprised. I would be surprised, I think, at this point if Tennessee won the national championship because they're really good, but 
they're just they're I don't know. I, I I guess they're just missing something. I just there's not a single spot in their lineup anymore that I'm like that's the lock, that's the one, and they can win a bunch of different ways. Gruskin, didn't I try to tell you this? Like you did. at least a month ago or two months ago about Tennessee. You asked me, are they a two-point team? Are they a three-point team? Are they a four-point team? And I said, look, man, I don't really know. My confidence there, they can win at all of these different spots, right? And this is what you just said, but it's like, where is that confidence level where you think this is a lock at one? This is a lock at four. This is a lock at five. You know, I never really had that sense, right? Mm -hmm. And I said this a while back. They can beat anybody, but it's like, you know, at the same time, we've seen a couple matches now where it's like, eh, you know, I don't feel that way about them. So, yeah, what you just said is exactly what I tried to tell you a few weeks ago. (laughs) That's true. You did say, I mean, I still think they're a one-plus team in that they're probably going to win doubles and then, They're going to find at least one point in singles. The question is where and when. It's a good question. But, uh, yeah, again, Chris, where do you have at number five? I imagine it's Tennessee still. Yeah, I still have Tennessee at five. Yeah. All right, cool. Now things get particularly funky. With their (laughs) win over Texas, I move TCU up to number six. I just can't – like their losses are to teams pretty much only ranked above them. Give me the Horned Frogs at six. What say you, Matty? Yeah, so Gruskin, again, you know how much I hate to agree with you, um, but in this in this instance, I also have TCU at number six. I don't know how I really feel about that, but due to these other teams, I almost felt like I just had to put them there. Yeah. They just beat Texas. Like, it was kind of a hard – it was hard for me to decide where the Horned Frogs were going to fall. I ended up putting them at six. I don't know if I if I love that, but I'll leave it there for this week. It's fair. Frog fans, what say you, Chris? Yeah, I'll say I don't love six through nine in any order. So <laughs> I I did not go with TCU. I went with Illinois. Oh, welcome Whoa. to the bandwagon. And I, you know, I. I feel like I'm making up almost and I feel like it's a, you know, it's like a great comeback story from last year and probably letting a little bit of other things impact me, the big 10, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, they've lost two matches. So, you know, I can't, I can't knock them. It's, it's, it's hard to put them there and then do, do what I've done to the other big 10 teams potentially. But, but yeah, I, I, I'm not going to knock them. They didn't lose. I had them in front of the rest of these teams last week. I've still got them there. Yeah. No, I, yes, I look, I have Illinois seven, like they're, they're right next for me. Uh, I agree with everything you said. They're down from two, uh, three to two undefeated positions as Monsi took his first loss, but like Kovacevic Clark, that's two points. They just need to find two more. They're a damn good team. I have them number seven. I agree. They've beaten Virginia. They've beaten USC. I can't knock them that their other loss or that their losses are to you know Baylor and then an Ohio State team. We really don't know how good they are. They're seven for me, Maddie. What say you? <sighs> Not for me, guys. I have the Texas Longhorns at number seven. Yeah, uh, they're my number eight team, so I'm not. Yeah, far off. yeah. I just again we'll for me i'll get to illinois here in a little bit but i've got texas at uh at number seven i feel yeah. pretty 
pretty no, good about they're that. dangerous. They've been, you know, again, we ran through their losses earlier as well. You got to be really good to beat the Longhorns, and yeah, they they're in the mix for a quarterfinal spot. Like a hundred percent, it's going to surprise no one to see them make the quarterfinals. That's why they're my number eight team. Uh, we got a little ahead of the gun though here. I think I'm a number ahead of both of you. I think I'm two numbers ahead of Chris. Uh, so Chris, you're seven and eight spots. So my seven, although I'm going to go back to six, I'm going to keep moving Illinois up until Brad Dancer gives me those socks from indoors. Two years ago, <laughs> and I wish I could remind you to tell him that again, but you're yeah, done for the year. So don't remind uh, me. I, that's terrible. I was crying. I don't know how somebody listening, tell Dancer, I want those socks. Dick. Okay. Uh, yeah. My number seven is TCU. Okay. So you're not too far off. And then my eight Texas is your eight. I feel like Texas as well. Yeah, my eight is Texas. Yeah, so we have the same eight teams in the mix. Maddie, are you going to be different here? That's the question. Uh, so I am. I am Ooh. going to be different here. I have Texas A&M as my number eight team. Okay, so we're going to have the same top nine teams because A&M is number nine for me. They just have like they're just puzzling. I guess that's why I have A and M a notch. It's that they've the, of the groups we've talked about so far of all of the teams they've played the most puzzling matches. Yeah. They have. I know, and so that's I know. why I knock I, them down. That's why I knock them down a spot below Texas. But it's it's a thin margin. And well, Texas I, ha- just I have beat them, them below Texas as well. Yeah. No, that's true. But I guess you have them above Illinois. That's the difference. Um, yeah. 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 Not to get ahead of things. But all right, Chris, your number. I mean, you you just gave us your number eight, I believe, uh, when you yep. said you had the same top eight as I do. So now we get to number nine. My nine A and M. Is your nine A and M, Chris? No, it's not. Ooh, is it my Wolverines? Not a chance. Is it UCF? You're in the right conference, though, Gruskin. Oh, if you put the Buckeyes, I've got— I still have Ohio—I'm not taking them out. I've got a finger I still say it. Ohio State's top 10, so I have them at number 9. I'm gonna. It's going to be interesting to see, then, who you dropped out. Um, Same team I had out before, I think. Oh, no, I did add it. No, I think I had them out no, last week as well. Yeah, Mi- Michigan. Um, yeah. No, they were out. Well, yeah, them too, but— yeah, the team um, that I have out is still out. I think they yeah. were out last week for me, but I'm not not a hundred percent sure of that. For sure, no, they Ma- probably weren't. Maddie, your number nine team, Illinois. Okay, there Illinois. we go. So you and I have the same top nine teams, just slightly different order. My number ten, literally by virtue of the fact that we beat them is Michigan over Ohio State. UCF's number 12 for me. I really flirted with putting UCF at number ten. I just couldn't quite pull the trigger. I probably should have. You had Michigan, you said, Gruskin? Yeah, Michigan, though, is my number 10 team, which, again, I don't feel great about. What say you, Maddie? So I have the Ohio State Buckeyes at number 10, Gruskin. I know you don't like that, Chris. I know you do like that. We both have them in our top 10, but um, it's just hard for me to take them out. Just, again, I don't know. Like, when we get to the bottom, right, when we get to number 9, 10, 11, you know, again, I considered UCF, but I, I'd still have them on the outside. Michigan I have just on the outside. Um, I I am most comfortable this week keeping Ohio State at number 10, which is exactly where I had them last week, by the way. So no change there for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Chris, your final team? My final team, because neither of you wusses would put them in there. UCF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good move. Make I couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. So I'll say this. I had so the team I left out, Gruskin, is AM. Okay. And I'll say that, you know, I, I manned up 
in, in you know face to face if you will as much as you can over uh digital media uh <laughs> in text messaging i uh, you know i flat out told in conversation today you know told tech the text and m guys like hey i had you 11 and i'm i you know the reason i have you 11 is because of what's happened and you know i've got to rate you on where you've been without habib it hasn't been great and i got to reward ucf for what they've done even though AM owns the victory there head to head i've got to give ucf the props where they are right now i don't think it lasts i think AM is a probably a top seven team but they've got to get the team back to show me they they can be there and i just don't think they are right now so hopefully this weekend we see hottie back in the lineup uh, and i can quickly move them back in but you know un until they do i'll say they're a spot out yeah no i think that's fair well then with that in mind those are our top 10 teams chris i'm gonna buy you some time to run the numbers oh, give me the thumbs up when all right he's ready rock and roll give me the list florida one virginia two north carolina three baylor four tennessee five TCU six, Illinois seven, Texas eight, Texas A&M nine, Ohio State 10. Oh, who had the top time, top nine teams exactly in order? This time it was your boy splitting the difference. Wow. How the times have changed. How the times have changed. It also is just indicative of the fact that I text you both every week and I'm like, hey, what are your top tens? I got to submit this USTA thing. <laughs> and you're like, I think this, I think this. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to split the difference. So that's what's caused the adjustment. But no, again, as we continue to cross off teams, all of those teams still in the mix for quarterfinals. You want to throw USC, Wake Forest, two teams we didn't mention also in that conversation. That can be your prerogative. But again, all this points to a fantastic ending in uh, final month of this 2021 college tennis regular season. Of course, we will be back here next week to cover all of the week's action to talk about any further developments and keep you all apprised on all motion in the college tennis world. If you have missed anything from our Cracked Rackets team, such as the interviews we did this week with Sifo Monsi, Alexander Kovacevic, and Zeke Clark, you can find them all on our YouTube channel if you want to watch or can listen to them on our Cracked Interviews podcast feed. Of course, as always, like, rate, subscribe, review to this podcast, the Cracked Interviews podcast, mini break podcast, and everything we do here at Cracked Rackets. You need more immediate updates Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Records. You want to message me directly, I'm at Great Shot Pod. Shout out, as always, to the super producers, Fliegner and Westa, for the of an editing job. They do shout out as well to our friends at Turnagrip and FanDuel. Remember, fanduel.com slash cracked to take advantage of their master's offer. Limited time for you Cracked Rackets fans. With that in mind, I'll go to you first, Maddie, then Chris. Any final thoughts on this week's action? No, man, I'm just, I'm ready for this weekend. I'll be dialed into the Big 12. I am disappointed. Um, NC State is having some COVID issues within their program. So they were actually scheduled to play at Duke and at North Carolina. I was looking forward to that kind of the tobacco road, Duke, UNC, NC State, because I live right here. Those are, um, you know, all within probably a 20 or 30 minute proximity of my house. Um and so we're not going to get those matches. That's a little bit unfortunate. But you know me, I'll be dialed into the uh, the five Big 12 matches that we get um, Friday through Sunday. Chris? Uh, I'm going to ask Maddie. So have they set a 
I assume they're still going to play him and they're going to reschedule, but uh, do you know? Yeah, so I they haven't announced that quite yet um, in okay. terms of when they may postpone, when those dates may actually be made up. I think right now they just said, hey, um, you know, they're on hold right now. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I mean, for me, Gruskin, you know, obviously the big things this weekend, the wrap-up, uh, other than a couple postponed matches, uh, three or four of them uh, of the SEC, we wrap up conference play in the SEC this week. So we should have a really good look at what those standings in that conference tournament is going to look like there. Uh, and on top of it, the other thing I'm really looking forward to are the two matches at the farm for Stanford and see, you know, if, if you look and if you go out to, to, to my website and you use that what if calculator and you go, hey, what if Stanford beats USC at home and they beat UCLA at home and you look they jump up even with two unranked wins for next week they jump up into uh, into the low 20s uh and that's with a un, you know two's basically four point wins which are the, what you get for unranked so uh, if they can do that and then a couple more and they're right there you know they're well inside the top 16 they just have to I mean they have to be able to do it if they come away with none of those then they're in trouble uh, in terms of where they're going to be heading into NCAAs. A hundred percent. Well, then, with that in mind, four. And again, we appreciate all of you who tuned into the duration of this podcast. We know we went a little long this week. That's because we opened up with that breaking segment on the rankings. But of course, again, it's been a fantastic first three months of the college tennis season. Looking forward to the home stretch here for. My wonderful co-hosts, Matt the Cracks, Dakoia, Chris Helios, our super producers, Fligner and Westoff, our friends at FanDuel and Turner Grip, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Gentlemen, what do we tell our listeners? Hey. Hey. Great shot. Great shot. And we will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>